This is the Lead to Lead podcast, where we explore the realm of leadership through the lens of faith. Here's your host, Leah Haygood. Hello, and welcome back to the Lead to Lead podcast. My name is Leah, and I am your host. And thank you so much for coming back yet again to listen to another episode. Um, Today is a little bit heavier than my other episodes previous, just because of the nature of the content. And I I said in the last episode that I would be incredibly negligent to not discuss how COVID-19 has really changed my mindset. It has changed the mindset of our country. And people have really had to dig deep and figure out what they value, who they're spending time with, um, who they haven't been spending time with that they should should have been. You know, it's it's been a very crazy time these past couple months. And at the time of this recording, things are getting ready to open up. By the time you're listening to this, I think a lot of things will be open back up, which is good. At the same time, it's really caused me to reflect on, do I want the life that I had pre-COVID-19? You know, and that's kind of the gist of what I want to talk about on this episode. I've labeled it contagious, but it's not really what you think. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a medical professional and know how a virus spreads because I don't. But I am going to talk about how a pandemic spreads more than just a virus. And I want you to have that mindset as a leader, as a human being, that there are worse things and there are better things that spread than a virus. First off, I kind of want to talk about just my personal experience with COVID-19, quarantine life, what that looks like for me. If you don't know, I am married. I have been married to my husband, Jake, going on eight years in June, which is crazy. And we have three children. Our oldest, Isaac, will be five in July. Caleb just turned three in February, and my daughter Melody just turned one in February. So you can imagine that quarantine life has been a little crazy. <laughs> um, thankfully, we haven't had to deal with like homework as much, like with, with Isaac or anything. It's just been some Zoom calls with his class, which has been really sweet. But I mean, you got three kids between the ages of one and four under quarantine limited places that you can go. (laughs) It's a little hectic. I'll be quite honest with you, but it has allowed me to see how little time we were actually spending with our kids at home. I think one of the things that I've taken away from quarantine the most is that before all this happened, I was using home as a place to simply sleep and eat sometimes that I typically wanted to escape my home because I'm like, oh, I just want to be out. I just want to go somewhere. I'm an extrovert. My husband's an introvert, so he like recharges being alone or by himself. So home was kind of a safe haven for him. For me, it was like if we had left on a trip and came back home, home was like, oh, it's nice. And the next day I'm like, okay, I want to get out just because I I would want to escape it. But during this whole time, it's really allowed me to enjoy home. You know, what does home mean? Home means safety. It means a place for your family to connect. You know, one of the things that I've been able to do that I used to do all the time growing up 
there are a couple things. Playing outside was a huge thing. Like our boys have been eating up our little playground thing we have in the back. Um, it's got a swing and a slide, and they could swing for hours, hours. And I had forgotten that as a kid that I loved, you know, being outside and swinging and playing with a ball. And like we have a little soccer net for Isaac, and like we would kick the ball into that. And so, and riding on sidewalks with chalk and riding bikes, all that stuff. I'm like, wow. It's been years since I've stopped to do this. And the other thing that we get to do, my oldest son really loves Caleb. He He's just a little bit too ADD and too much of a three-year-old right now to really uh, have any interest in this, but playing games, like board games. My um, oldest son, Isaac, his favorite game to play is Candyland, which is like a blast from the past for me. I've been able to play with him. Gosh, like we would go back to back to back to back games. Typically, if we're going to say, hey, we're going to play Candyland, we'll play at least three times in a row. And typically he beats me, which is ridiculous. A four-year-old beating me at a kid's board game. I'm so competitive, y'all. My three wing of the Enneagram comes out when I play board games. But it was just so much fun. And, you know, his whole demeanor when... He sees that mommy or daddy or both of us are playing with him. It's like he's focused and he's like, oh, they want to play with me. And that's been a huge eye opener for me because I'm very good at making myself busy. And simply playing a board game with my son has rocked my world. And I don't know if you've had that same experience or not, but it has been super beneficial. I will say this, that my personal experience, like with me in my mind, in my body, um, it's been a roller coaster, uh, emotionally, physically, and mentally. Like I've been in the beginning when I didn't really know who could catch COVID and nobody really knew anything other than it was spreading and it was spreading quick. I was scared for my kids. I was scared for my parents and my grandparents. And I really wasn't scared for me, oddly enough, but I was scared for my husband. I was scared for everyone else around me. That's typical, too. I'm worried about everybody else. (laughs) So if you don't know what the Enneagram is and looking up the types, just read what a two is. And I'm I'm, I'm that. So um, where I care about others more than myself. But yeah, I was really just scared of who could get it and what's going to happen. And is it super lethal? I I didn't know at the time. And then physically being stuck. I don't like boundaries at times. I don't like being told no. If I want to do something and I'm being told no, I can't, there's a little bit of rebellion that comes up in me. And kind of like what I said previously about being at home, I think that's why I wanted to escape so much. Because I just felt stuck. I felt bound. I felt limited in what I could do. And I could be out there just doing things or just really doing things that make me happy, ultimately. I was just mad that I couldn't do things that I used to do. And then another way, physically, y'all, stress eating. That is for real. Like, you know how in college when you go, they say you gain the freshman 15. I think, like, the the quarantine 15 is a real thing for me. I mean, I know that I gained at least like 10 pounds in this whole quarantine. I'm being real with y'all. I've lost five of that. So yay, making progress slightly. But it's true, y'all. When 
you've got nowhere that you could go, really, except the fridge, it's easy to go and find the Easter candy that got left over that my kids didn't really want, or going to the grocery store or going through a drive through of Andy's. <laughs> There's a place called Andy's. Uh, it's a custard place. It just came to Greer about a year ago. Y'all, it's delicious, but it has been lethal for my waistline. So that has been my quarantine crutch, so to speak. And I was like, y'all, I'm, I'm eating so much just because I'm trying to make sense of what's going on. And also I want to fill my time. And it's very easy to fill my time up with food because I enjoy it. But my pants are like, no, we don't enjoy this. (laughs) And then mentally, I would get caught up in the hamster wheel cycle of things won't go back to normal. Things are not going to be the same. They're, oh, what are we going to do? And I felt like I, once again, couldn't escape. And that's another reason why I think initially I didn't want to be stuck at home is because it allowed me to think And I don't like thinking because it it can turn very irrational for me, which is no bueno. But at the same time, it's like, I can't be alone with my thoughts. So there's a breakdown in my thinking. You know, I've been a part of a ministry called Celebrate Recovery, and it's a 12-step recovery program. And it's basically the gospel applied to our struggles. One of my struggles is feeling unworthy feeling like my opinion doesn't matter or that, you know, my feelings, I shouldn't feel that way because other people are going through way worse things than I. Y'all, that's just straight up negligence of my emotional health. And that's been huge for me to say that, that my feelings do matter. And I know other people are going through some stuff, but that doesn't make the way I feel any less significant. So if you're in that hamster wheel like I was, or I I tend to jump back in it just because it's easy, but know that it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to be concerned or have a little freak out moment here and there, but you just have to talk about it with somebody that you trust. I talk it out with my husband, with uh, my sponsor. That's a fancy term in the recovery world for basically like an accountability partner, somebody that knows your junk and is willing to say say truthful things, even if it hurts or if it's hard to kind of grasp. But I need that. We all need that. We need discipline, especially during this time. Another part of my personal experience with quarantine is that it was eye-opening. I kind of mentioned earlier that um, emotionally it made me realize how little time I was actually spending with my family and how much time I actually spent on myself or I would much rather spend on myself. Like, oh, I just want to go drive around. I want to go see people that I used to work with. Like I would go by Chick-fil-A. Shout out Chick-fil-A. Hey. Um, I would go see them just to get out of the house so I wouldn't have to think Or I would, I don't know, like I would just do random things that that I would just be focused on myself and not really my family. Physically, uh, I've realized how fast, how quickly I run to food to solve my problems, like I mentioned earlier. It's, It's amazing how we think chocolate can fix everything. Am I right, ladies? It's just so easy and so easily accepted, too. I think in America, it's very easy for us to not really endorse overeating, but we definitely have the mantra here of like, go big or go home. And 
you know, buffets and, you know, all you can eat sort of things, you know, it's, it's prevalent in our culture. And I think it's just easy to self-medicate with food. And that's exactly what it is. It's self-medicating for sure. It's, it's a way of coping in an unhealthy way that it's, it's a quick hit. And I mean it in this way. Jake could explain this. My husband could explain this so much more better. Mo better. Because <laughs> he is studying psychology and talking about the the synapses in your brain. Like when you're doing something that you enjoy, it sends, um, it produces, I believe it's oxytocin, which is a chemical in your brain that's like, oh, this is a good thing. It's just that hit that lasts briefly and then typically comes either oh, I shouldn't have eaten that, or grogginess, or sometimes shame. You know, like if you sit there and ate a whole thing of Oreos, like in the moment, it's like, this is so delicious. And then by the end of it, you're like, I'm a turd. Like, why did I just eat that whole container of Oreos? Like, What's wrong with me? And then it's just a vicious cycle to make yourself feel better from the shame. What do you do? You go grab the Hershey bar that's in your You know, it's just, it's so cyclical, especially in quarantine when you can't go anywhere. You're like, well, what am I, what else am I going to do? I'm going to cry in my Ben and Jerry's. And that's, it's just easy. It's so easy. Discipline is difficult. Diets are difficult. (laughs) It is so tough, y'all. But once you make up your mind that you're going to do it, man, there's power in discipline. And I'm learning that for sure. I've also been learning that... Self-sufficiency does not work as a Christian. And let me explain. As a two, I, I, I tend to describe myself in Enneagram terms, so I apologize. The, a two personality is basically someone who is focused on serving others and helping meet, meeting the needs of others. They're very empathetic people, typically are first to jump in and serving, but on the negative side, they tend to neglect their own feelings. As I've shared the past 10 minutes, 15 minutes, however long this has been. So it's very easy for me to be self-sufficient. I don't need anybody else's help. I'm here to help other people. And in turn, that's pride, right? When it comes to being a Christian, self-sufficiency is basically saying, God, I know you're real. I believe in you. I know you can work in me, but I don't need help with my problems which is completely contradictory to what Scripture says. Just because I'm saved doesn't make me perfect. It doesn't take away my problems. In fact, it brings them out because the more I study Scripture, the more I realize I don't line up with everything that it says, and that's where the power of the Holy Spirit comes in. So what does that mean for us Christians? Well, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, He's actually quoting Jesus here. Jesus says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Now that is totally antithetical to everything that we in America believe. We believe that you don't show weakness because you want to be the biggest, the strongest, the fastest, the best. If you show weakness, that's where people can take advantage of you. But here, Jesus is saying, no, I need to see your weakness so that I can be glorified by using my power through you in that weakness. So you see how Jesus is so opposite of what the world 
thinks. You know, he says in John that we should take heart because he's overcome the world, right? Everything is opposite. He also says, you know, if you want to be the first, you got to be the last. Meaning like if you want to be first in the kingdom, you got to serve. You got to be the least of these. It's 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 always a juxtaposition of if you want to be this, you got to be the opposite. As a Christian, I have to remember that my sufficiency, my self-reliance didn't save me. Jesus did with his grace. So that's super important for you to remember that if you're waiting for the Lord to use you, ask him to reveal your weakness. Or if you know it, you need to confess it and say, Lord, do something with this. Because I don't like it, but I know that your word says your power is perfected in my weakness. Another part that has been super eye-opening for me during this time is how much I don't want to go back to normal. What is normal? I think that's been a question that we've all been asking ourselves, even before all this quarantine, that living up to expectations of the world, that sort of thing, of what is normal? My normal was on the go a lot. I would be playing music for church. At one point, gosh, this was about a year ago, maybe a year and a half, I'd be playing music five days a week on top of working a full-time job 45 hours a week. And at the time I had two children, one that was less than a year old. And obviously um, I was married. So being a wife, mom, worship leader, employee, all of that, trying to juggle all of that. And it almost killed me for real. And it took me saying, I can't do everything to slowing down. And I slowed down a lot, but I'm very good at filling up my time with little things that just take my attention. I know that when everything is quote unquote normal again, I really need to be disciplined with myself. Because it's easy for me to get back into the swing of what I was doing even two months ago. Making my family, first my faith, a priority, then my family a priority, and then ministry. And I consider this podcast part of my ministry. I want to help people grow. You know, the whole concept of this podcast is helping you, whether you're a leader already or you want to be a leader, I want to help you move your mindset from being led by a leader to becoming a leader in whatever realm of influence that may be. That may not be in an organization. That may just be in your family, in your home, in your community, in your friend group. Just knowing that you have a plan of where you want to go and where the Lord has been leading you. I want to help you just open your mind and open your heart and realize that There is potential in you. I may not know what it is, but there's potential in you. It's just a matter of, are you going to use it or are you going to be numb and frozen because of fear of failure, fear of looking like an idiot, whatever that may be, y'all. That's my heart's desire is that this podcast would be something to spur you on. And I'm spurring myself on by realizing that I don't want to go back to normal. You know, the more I've thought about quarantine and and COVID-19, I've realized that there are several things that have changed in our world. I mean, we could, you know, get real specific here. But I made a list of six things that I've noticed that have spread 
And they're both consisting of good and bad things. And I'd like to discuss them with you. The first thing that I've noticed that is spread like wildfire is fear. We, as human beings, cannot handle uncertainty. Especially in America, we want to know what's going on. We want to have all the answers, everything right in front of us, and we need to know now. We need a vaccine. We need to know how how this is really being contracted. Blah, blah, blah. So the knee-jerk reaction to anything foreign is fear, right? We want to protect our minds, protect our hearts from looking like an idiot, so we just need to fear it. And I want to challenge that by saying I think... We as leaders should be cautious and not fearful. There is a difference. There are two separate things. Caution implies that something is potentially dangerous and we need to be careful. For instance, I'm not going to go out to Lowe's right now. My husband has been doing some stuff around the house, so he's been going. But I I have no reason to go there right now. And it's been kind of crazy. I mean, during this whole quarantine, at least where I live in Greer, South Carolina, everybody and their mother is going out to Lowe's and Home Depot because they realize, oh, well, we're at home. I might as well fix some stuff, the things that they've been neglecting for 20 years. Anyway, that's a whole other side note. But I'm not going to go to Lowe's and start licking shopping carts. That would be dumb, you know? So I need to be cautious. I need to be aware. For instance, I had to go to MD360 recently and I went to the one on Verde, and like as soon as I walk in the door, there's a guy there who says, hey, I'm going to take your temperature, boop, and then put the little mask on, whatever. And, and I get it. That's being cautious. Fear puts us in the grave prematurely. And I say that because fear is basically assuming that we're all going to die. <laughs> Fear is that the worst is always going to happen, that I just don't need to do anything because I'm going to get contracted anyway. And what if it's everywhere? And it's just a, it's a trap, y'all. Scripture says the only thing that we should be in fear of is the Lord. When it comes to anything of the devil or anything of this world, it says, be alert. Be alert. Be sober-minded. Think clearly. Fear disables any logical thinking because you're like, ah, panic, we're going to die. So fear puts us in the grave prematurely. The second thing that I realize that spreads is news. Y'all, particularly bad news. Like I, I hate watching the news. Like I'll catch little blips here and there, like on YouTube, or I'll pull up a news article, something that WIFF has put out. And y'all, It can just be so depressing. So that's why I don't understand people who are just sitting, waiting for CNN to put out the next, like, how many cases have been confirmed today or how many deaths, and then just sit there and be like, oh my gosh, I'm next. No, that's not, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. And typically bad news spreads fast because it's juicy. It's enticing. It's something like, oh my goodness, like, I can't believe it. It's such a talking point. Good news is not as craveable as bad news. Like with good news, we expect it. Bad news, we're like, I can't believe that. Like we we stand in awe and wonderment of bad news. But with good news, it's like, oh, that should have happened. We take it for granted. Absolutely. We take good news for granted. And so it's like, eh, we're not going to worry about that because it's just going to get worse. You know, it's just crazy. The third thing that I realized that spreads is rumors. Y'all, 
I thought, you know, high school drama was bad with rumors like, oh, they're dating so-and-so. I can't believe it. No, now this is like, (laughs) with COVID, there's just so much like conspiracies and rumors and nonsense that gets spread. I'm like, I, I don't understand. Why do people have time to think of this stuff? But because we can't handle uncertainty, like I mentioned with the whole fear thing, people will come up with and believe anything, whether it's true or not. Because it's offering some sort of appeasement in our brains that, oh, well, maybe this happened. Yeah, and I can believe that. And Oh, okay. Like, I can step out of denial. What? No, that's not denial. That's that's living on... That's living according to what somebody has just said flippantly. For instance, like the whole thing, does it live on stainless steel for hours or, or is it days? Does it live in the air? Can Animals can get it. Animals can't get it. Cats can get it. We got it from a bat. Uh, toilet paper will save us. I mean, all these things is just ridiculous. You have to be objective with all this. And yes, I know people are trying to find out how it really was contracted and all these things. But some of these people, y'all, are a little crazy. So you always have to be alert, be sober-minded of what you hear. Now, here are some things that I am thankful that they've been spreading because they're good things, y'all. The, the fourth one is kindness. The treatment of frontline workers that I've seen, at least in our state, I mean, all over, has been incredible. For instance, like I know in Greenville, particularly, there were several restaurants that were sending free meals to people in the hospital system or first responders, just giving enormous amounts of support and even financially. I know one of the things that uh, was so cool, I can't remember where it was, but it was on a parking garage in a hospital where several people spread out, started singing Waymaker and applauding the people that were coming off of, I guess you call it A-shift. And they would scream, shout, yell, clap, cheer for everybody that was coming off of work as a way to say thank you. That is amazing. There's been kindness to those who have lost jobs. People are aware of everyone's situation. Sure, the stimulus check came out and that was helpful. I I am one of those recipients that was very thankful for that because my husband, he is self-employed. And so I get it. I'm thankful for that. But it's been amazing of churches and other organizations that have come together to chip in and help people that have either been furloughed or laid off completely, that they've been accommodating to them and knowing that their families are struggling that, hey, let's let's handle their food, let's handle their gas, like whatever it may be. People have jumped in. You know, working in the food industry, it's very easy to see people's true colors by the way that they treat somebody that's serving them food. I'm being real honest with y'all. Some people who claim to be Christians treat food service workers like garbage. And it's like, it was shocking to me to see the behavior of some people. I'm like, oh my goodness, like whatever happened to showing the love of Christ? Right now, they're showing the love of their stomach and the love of their money and how, you know, I'm paying this much money for this food and you need to get it right, blah, blah, blah. And just such a sense of entitlement. But you know what? This quarantine thing has allowed us to remember the golden rule. 
And if you're not familiar with the golden rule, which I I don't know who wouldn't be, um, you can find it in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 31. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. It's like, oh, that does work. Like people, uh, people's eyes have been opened to that. That kindness and showing generosity does work. It's amazing. The fifth thing that I noticed is kind of funny. I, I wrote it down. Uh, is cheer. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed, at least in our neighborhoods around us or at the sidewalks in front of hospitals, kids and adults have been doing sidewalk chalk art. Whether it's like the, there's been like a mural of a cross or writing something encouraging or writing a Bible verse or saying, we're praying for you. We love you. Like that is being written all over our city. I think all over the country, truthfully. And it's like, wow, that's such an awesome reminder because there could be one hospital worker walking by that's like, man, I can't believe I have to do this again. And they look down and see we're praying for you. And that's enough to spur them on. To say, okay, one shift at a time. So that's been super cool. The next thing, I, I, I personally didn't hear this, but Jake came home. He's like, did you know there was Christmas music on the radio? I said, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, they put Christmas music on the radio. And he said, it's so that people can find some holiday cheer and all this time. And I'm like, you know what? I know there are several people, like Kelly Oliver, if you're listening to this right now, I know you've got Christmas music cranked up, or or Megan, girl, I know you'll love some Christmas music. Uh, I don't know if y'all heard it during this time, but I hope it cheered you up. But I mean, it's just simple things like that. And then on, on a funny, not funny side note, uh, TikTok is real. <laughs> it's real funny. Sometimes it's a little extra, but that has been almost like a breath of fresh air. It's been a, it's been really funny to watch some of these videos. Like, for instance, <laughs> there's one of this guy who doesn't know the relationship of Mentos and Diet Coke, and Homeboy puts three Mentos and a two liter of Diet Coke, and it is like Old Faithful in his mouth. And he's like... <laughs> I, I'm laughing just thinking about it because it's so ridiculous. And it's like the Lord knew I needed to laugh in that moment. And I think it has like over a million views. So several people have enjoyed watching this man (laughs) get practically drowned by Diet Coke. It was great. It was awesome. And the final thing that I've noticed that has spread is unity. It's one thing to unify for the sake of we all just need to like suck it up and do something. But it's another thing. To say, hey, we're all in this together. Real high school musical style. Like, we're all in this together. You know, like, I'm not going to sing the whole song because I don't know all the words. But that's what I think of. It's people all over the country from all different walks of life coming together and saying, we want to kill this thing, this virus that has terrorized several thousands, millions of people. And we're going to do whatever it takes. I've seen more commercials of stay home, wash your hands, we love you. Stay home, wash your hands, we love you. And even, you know, one thing that I've noticed is that there have been some companies or even mortgage handlers that have said, hey, if you've been furloughed, we'll give you a 60-day grace period. That's huge, y'all. 
for companies who typically are just after the mighty dollar to say, hey, we know this is tough. We're going to extend a grace period. That's amazing that everybody's on the same page. And you know what? On the family home front, families are spending more time together now than they ever have before. So we can talk about all the bad things that have happened because of COVID. Yeah, maybe finances have not been good. Or you can't see family that's in nursing homes. Or people have died around you. They're suffering. And those are real things. But at the same time, if you have your family in your home, you are blessed, my friend. I know for us, having three little kids... It's easy to dismiss them, to say, hey, go play upstairs. I just need some me time. Me time. Me time is good. But it's incredibly selfish at times. Yes, you need your time to think and process. But if you're just saying, hey, you're annoying me, go away. I think people, families in America are starting to reevaluate the way they think. I think we all are going to respect teachers and the school system a lot more post-quarantine. So all you teachers, thank you for what you do. Thank you for going with the flow. And I know this has been a learning curve probably for the entire world, seriously, of going digital and trying to figure out how am I going to teach this content to somebody through a screen that may struggle in school anyway. How am I going to do this? And you'll have made it work. So kudos to y'all. Now, I want to talk about faith. This whole quarantine experience has been a faith builder. I know in my life, for sure, it's allowed me to really think about what I believe and what I've been putting into practice. Preparing for this episode, I wanted to depict COVID-19 as not the marker of a virus, but as an acronym for our hope. So COVID, you ready for this? Christ, our victory, and our depravity. C-O-B-I-D. Christ, our victory, and our depravity. And that comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about our resurrection. He quotes a passage. It actually comes from Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8. It says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, because of Jesus, we have been redeemed. We have the victory through His Life, death, burial, and resurrection. That's what that is, y'all. In 19, you know, I was trying to do my research for this, like through the Bible, and I was praying, God, you know, there would be, it would be awesome if you could reveal to me either a chapter or a verse that was either 1 9 or 19 or something that could be really cool. And I was struggling, y'all. And then it was probably about maybe an hour after looking at, through some things that he said, John 19. And I, and I go to it, and it is the whole 
part of the story of Jesus' flogging, his sentencing, his crucifixion, and his burial. So let's compare chapter 19 with our current situation. You know, it goes through the whole process of how Jesus was flogged, which means he was hit with a cat of nine tails, which was a form of whip that had sharp little fragments of bone, glass, rock, and they would swing it and it would wrap around his body. And as they pulled, it would tear his flesh away. Romans bragged about how well they tortured people. So keep that in your mind. They would punch him. They would slap him. They pulled his beard. And then ultimately he has to carry his own cross up to where he's going to be crucified. Now think of this. The disciples, what happened to them? Everyone except John scattered. Life as they knew it was over. Fear set in. I mean, Peter, we talked about previously how Peter denied Jesus three times. The day before when Jesus said, hey, you're going to deny me, he's like, no, I would never do that. And sure enough, he did. News was spreading. Oh, they're crucifying the Messiah. Rumors were starting. At the time of his resurrection, there were rumors started saying that, oh, his disciples stole his body. And that's the rumor that spread among that area. That Jesus' body was stolen. He really wasn't resurrected. And maybe he wasn't the Christ. Maybe he wasn't the Messiah because he wasn't a military leader. That's what they were expecting. The Jews were hoping that they would be redeemed from Roman oppression, not sin. Let that soak in. That sometimes what we want to be delivered from is not the problem. And God is handling the heart of our own issues. But anyway, Jesus dies and is buried, and it's over. It's over. But then comes chapter 20. You know, it's funny. The number 20, I looked up the the study of the number 20 as it's used in Scripture. You know, their numbers have a significance throughout the Bible. Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of completion. All these different things. Well, 20 is interesting. It's found in the Bible to sometimes mean a complete or perfect waiting period. Everything in John chapter 20 shows the completion of what Jesus was brought on earth to do, which was to fulfill the prophecies so we could be in right relationship with God. He reveals himself to Mary Magdalene and the disciples, and suddenly everything is clear, like 2020 clear, 2020 vision. Could COVID-19 have been a waiting period for us to look at our lives and refocus our 2020 vision. Y'all, I don't think it's any coincidence that we are in the year 2020. It's no coincidence that the world would be put on hold so we could have the chance to refocus our vision on Jesus. Y'all, God's so cool in this way. I love when things like this, it's, it's almost ironic, but he's got a perfect and pleasing will for all of our lives. So I want you to shift your focus of COVID-19 and realize that COVID-19 is a reminder that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but sometimes against rulers, against authorities, 
Man, how many people have been so angry with the government? Either they haven't done enough or they've done too much. It's also against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's straight from Ephesians chapter 6. That's verse 12. Y'all, we are fighting an invisible virus with very visible effects. I think this virus has proved that every atheist has some faith. They have faith in a vaccine. They have faith that something that they can't see with the naked eye is causing some serious damage. So could this be the turning point that every Christian, every church, every believer has been looking for to reach our nation? Man, what an opportunity. I think once churches get up and going again, the doors are going to fling open wide because people realize we need something to believe in, something to have hope in. And that person, my friend, is Jesus. If you don't know Jesus or don't really understand or don't really care to understand, I encourage you to just open your Bible. Start with the book of John. Start there and he'll show up. He'll reveal himself to you. If you've known about Jesus, been going to church maybe your whole life or recently, and just haven't committed to following him, I trust that you'll take this opportunity to say yes to him. He simply wants you to follow him and be with him, and he'll do the rest. Believe that you're a sinner. You admit and confess your faults. Confess your sins to God. Believe in your heart that Jesus was the Son of God and that He was raised from the dead. You can be saved, my friend. So I want you to pray this with me. If you've never had a personal relationship with Christ, I want you to pray this. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. But I believe that you sent your Son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins so that I could have a relationship with you. Be the Lord of my life and I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for listening to this episode. It was pretty heavy, but it's been on my heart over the past couple months. And I wanted to ask a couple things from you that if you know of somebody that needs some encouragement, or needs to be saved, I encourage you to share this episode with somebody, whether it's through iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google, whatever it is, share it with them, because I hope it encourages them, and I hope it encourages you and allows you to think about your priorities and what you've been doing and what has been your normal and what will not be your new normal, right? I also want to encourage you Um, It's a favor I ask of you to rate and review this podcast. What it allows us to do is the more ratings and reviews it gets, the more visible it is on iTunes. So if you think someone else can benefit from listening, listening to this podcast, write and review that for me. I would really appreciate it. Episode 10. 10 is my lucky number, y'all. I have always been a fan of the number 10. I played softball back in the day, and I always wanted to be number 10. 
And I wanted to spend episode number 10 to reflect on my why and talking about knowing your why. It could be like knowing why you do things a certain way, why you have this business, why you're at your job, why do you think that way? It's about knowing the why behind the what, right? I encourage you to tune in for episode 10. We're going to be talking a lot about your why and your what and how you do your what. And <laughs> But I encourage you to tune in next time for episode 10 about knowing your why. <laughs>